0: Welcome back for another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects Podcast. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts and Alex Gilstrap. We are chugging along through with these positional previews for 2020, albeit some of these guys are not going to be playing this upcoming season. Nonetheless, we're still discussing them in their very pers- perspective position groups. Today, we are doing the linebackers. Uh, We have a very interesting group here headlined by Micah Parsons, one of the players that previously opted out. That no longer matters as the Big Ten has chosen to push towards the spring. So we're not going to get to see Micah Parsons on the field this season. However, many consider Parsons to be a very, very talented linebacker prospect, almost comparable in terms of draft hype to Isaiah Simmons. The player who was selected by the Arizona Cardinals in the top 10, but was at one point rumored to be a top four pick, possibly going to the New York Giants. Guys, the first thing I want to talk about with these linebackers and Micah Parsons is how does he actually compare in terms of draft type? We're not going to get that final season of tape from Parsons like we had with Isaiah Simmons, but regardless at this point in time, where do you sit on him? Ryan, why don't we go, go to you first?
1: So I think it's a different type of conversation when we're comparing the two. So, like, Simmons was a half linebacker, half safety. What do you really want him to do? Because you saw him play, you know, in deep zone coverage, single high. You saw him down on the slot. You saw him tucked inside, almost like a weak side linebacker. The question was potential usage. Seems like he's going to be a, um, a, a true linebacker playing some Mike, it sounds like, in the Cardinals system for a guy like Micah Parsons it's a different conversation in the sense of his his um his stylistic approach is that between a linebacker and a true edge rusher because he was recruited and he was a five-star recruit coming out playing edge and he was a phenomenal talent came, went into Penn State as a defensive end and then they were just like all right man like in our defense we're going to use your versatility to the best of our advantage moving the off ball so the question, I think, is a little more concrete with with a guy like Michael Parsons. I, I thought Isaiah Simmons, the best part of him was that versatility of playing multiple positions. I think Michael Parsons is a different animal because I think that he is going to be that true, I would say, Sam linebacker. That's what I want him to play, 4-3. You can bring him down some under and over fronts, up on the line of scrimmage, take advantage of his pass-rushing prowess in that respect. You could also blitz him from different spots. So I want him to be multiple in the way he plays the linebacker position, but I don't consider him a tweener like some people try to do. I think he's a true linebacker. And when we're talking about value, right, like linebackers are starting to depreciate in value with how the NFL is set up. But a guy like this who can affect every aspect of the game, from pass coverage to run fills, to rushing the passer, there is no limit to the impact that he can have on the football field. So for me, there's a clearer projection to, for for Michael Parsons comparative to a guy like Isaiah Simmons, and I would still value them right around the same. I think Michael Parsons is a top-five player in this class. I thought Isaiah Simmons was a top-five player in last year's class. So where are we going to play him? That's the general um, talking point to it, but I think that value-wise, it's very on par to a guy like Isaiah Simmons from the 2020 cycle.
2: Well, here's here's my take on you talked about the valuation of the linebacker position and almost to compare it to the running back position because they say linebackers the running back of the defense um, as as far as value and and what it, what it does for the what, for the unit. Um, I think that generally running backs aren't valued and shouldn't be, and linebackers aren't very valued. But I think when you have a top guy, you know, think think Christian McCaffrey to the Panthers, where you run your offense through this guy. I think that value. There's a you know when you have that superstar at the position, I think there's a there's a lot more value there, and I think that's what you saw with Isaiah Simmons, like Ryan alluded to, as just that versatile chess piece on the defense uh, that was talked about as a linebacker, but really like like Ryan said, is kind of in between, is that linebacker safety hybrid kind of guy. Whereas Micah Parsons, I I agree with Ryan, though he can line up on the edge, though he though he can do a lot of different things for your defense, I think he's a true off ball linebacker. Uh, whether that's as a sandbacker or even a Mike linebacker, um, but I think what what Parsons, what Parsons is, I think he's a better true linebacker than Isaiah Simmons was at at this point, uh, in the draft cycle. So, um, so you you have, I think, like I said, with Micah Micah Parsons, you have a better better true linebacker than you did Isaiah Simmons I think they're both gonna to be top five guys for me Isaiah Simmons was a top five guy for me this past season just like uh, just like Ryan had him and I think Micah Parsons right now is is a top three player top five player so um, yeah very different stylistically but as far as like like Joe said as far as the 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 hype around the prospect, uh, very similar. Uh, and I think they're both both top 10 guys. I wouldn't be surprised if um, if Micah Parsons comes away drafted higher than that of what Isaiah Simmons was this past year.
0: So yet again, another very, very talented linebacker in this draft class, as you can hear from Ryan and Alex's takes on, uh, on Parsons. Guys, let's hear your sleepers for this linebacker group. Who are some players that, and we're, we're limiting it to one this time, we're not just Adding in two, Uh, Ryan, who is your sleeper for this year's linebacker group?
1: Joe, you're no fun, man. You're just just no fun. It's, it's Hey all man, for, man, if you want the, the more show the to marrier. be two
0: hours long, we can we can have as many sleepers as you want. You want
1: five of them? Is that what you want, Joe? This <laughs> this linebacker class is so talented. Pigeonholing me to one sleeper is not right. <laughs> it's just not right. I, I mean, honestly though, I, I honestly could do two hours just of straight linebackers. That's how talented this class oh, is. Man. That's how much I love it. But if we're if we're just picking one guy, I'm gonna pick a player that I feel like is getting underhyped comparative to a teammate i've heard a lot of people talk about ohio state's baron browning they were excited to see him play i was too he's an explosive athlete but when i look at at a complete player a more train uh, more translatable player i really like pete warner who plays sam linebacker for them number 20. He's six foot 3 240 pounds he's asked to do a lot in that system I wish that he was asked to do a little more, uh, you know, traditional run fills inside. But on a slot receiver, he's coming out, playing overhang, man-on-man coverage, short zones. He's doing a lot of different variety and pass coverage. But when he gets the opportunities to run fill, to spill, to force, you know, to be a force player on the outside, he does a lot of really nice things. He's got a really projectable frame. He's got some physicality to him. And I'll tell you, the moment that I fell for Pete Werner was, I forget what game it was, But they rolled him from outside linebacker to the middle of the field deep, almost like a Tampa 2 type of look. But he was – I mean, dude, he was like playing almost single high. Like I did not see a deep safety in sight. I was like, dude, are they using him as a single high safety right now? Is that happening? I'm not really sure, you know, because you're kind of – you're limited to the full screen sometimes on some all 22. So I'm not sure if there was another deep safety with him. But I'm like, dude, this guy is doing everything. Short zone again, man-to-man. They can drop him into extremely deep zones. He has that projectable frame. I think he's a really solid, smooth athlete. There's a lot to like about Pete Warner. I wish he would have a season to really cement this type of profile, this type of athletic profile. Unfortunately, with Ohio State and a part of the Big Ten getting shut down for the season or at least pushed into the spring, we won't get an opportunity to probably see him play this year or maybe ever again. So a little disappointed in that fact because I really wanted to see him occupy different roles. I want to see this guy as a Mike linebacker. I want to see him have consistent inside run fills, spill, chase outside. I want to see all those different types of things. You don't get to see him all the time, but Pete Werner has a lot of athletic upside. He checks a lot of the boxes, and I'm a huge fan of him overall.
2: Okay, yeah. So for me, I'm going to go off with another player that unfortunately we're not going to be able to see in 2020, and I'm going to go with Merlin Robertson out of Arizona State. Uh, true junior this year, 6'3", 251, So great size, uh, you know, as an off ball linebacker. And I just think this guy, from a, a physical traits perspective, can the potential is is through the roof. Um, so, you know, like I said, he has that height. He has he has great length. Um, I think he has I think he has good weight to him, and he plays the, with good power and uh, good athleticism. However, the biggest thing with him is inconsistencies. He hasn't played um for very long at Arizona State, I, I think he was in his first full year starting this past year as a sophomore. So unfortunately he's one of those players that that I don't think right now has the tape that that warrants declaring. Uh, but as a true junior this year or supposed to be a true junior, I should say, um, you know, I, I, I he's a draft eligible guy that I really love the tools. No one's talking about him, but I think this guy can be a very good, uh, three-down linebacker at the next level. I think he just needs to hone on on some consistencies. He needs to learn how to utilize – like I said before, he has great length. Uh, I just don't think he necessarily knows how to utilize that when when stacking and shedding blocks uh, when offensive linemen meet him at the second level. Um, and I think, I think he plays inconsistently in man coverage. He has great physical gifts as far as movement skills and length, but he, he doesn't stick to the hip of tight ends or, or slot receivers as well as I would hope. So just just kind of knocking in on some of those those inconsistencies um, that he that he showed this past year in his first full year starting, um, I think that would be huge for him. Unfortunately, like we we were talking about before, the Pac-12 and Big Ten not having a 2020 season really really hurts Merlin Robertson as I think he was he was poised for a breakout season along with the rest of that Arizona State unit.
0: Guys, let's get into these top five position group rankings for this linebacker group. Already some pre-show uh, disagreements based on some comments left in the uh, pre-show document. But what we have here, Alex, Jabril Cox at four. Commer, ah, Cameron McGrone from Michigan at five for you. Already struggling to pronounce names. For Ryan, <laughs> he has Chaz Surratt from North Carolina and five. Jabril Cox. The, what I want to get out here, onto the table, uh, the uh, the alleged incident pre-show was a, a reference to Connor McGrone by Ryan. Ryan, why do you not like Connor McGrone, and uh, w- w- why are you disappointed in Alex for doing so?
1: Uh, Joe, it's not that I don't like Cameron McGrone, <laughs> man. You're making it sound like it's slander over here. I'm just like, I'm, I'm looking at the sure. entirety of this class. I, I already talked about it a little bit, man. This class is exceptional. And I'm looking at Cameron McGrone, who's going into his red shirt sophomore season on a Michigan team, that is not playing football this year. First of all, we're probably not going to see him for 2021 just to begin with. You know, he only has one year of tape. That one year of tape was as a as a part-time starter. I'll say Cameron McGrone can definitely move. He has some athletic traits. He's explosive in short areas. Like I get it. I 100% get it. But I don't think that he has a ton of length. I don't think he really has great instincts right now. I see him taking a lot of false steps. I think he takes some very bad angles. I think there's some extreme limitations to the game right now. And if we're we're talking a year from now, or not a year from now, several months from now, where Cameron McGrone takes that next step and then maybe he's in that type of conversation. But, like, are you banking on what you saw last year as the last we'll potentially see of Cameron McGrone? I'm certainly not. So while I think that there is definitely some upside to that pick – I don't think as it currently sits that he can be considered as a top five linebacker right now. And if it's a projection based thing, what are we projecting? He's probably not going to play maybe in the spring, possibly. So I I just don't understand either either conversation from the fact of right now. I don't think he's a top five linebacker and I don't think he's going to have the opportunity to ascend to being a top five linebacker without a season.
2: You're right. So I'm. I, yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I'm nodding my head as you're talking because I definitely agree. I'm, the rankings that I've put together and and some of the preliminary grades I have put together is still under the mindset of having one more year and you know talking about projection and knowing that there's not going to be a season for Cameron McGrone in 2020. I definitely, I definitely agree with you. I don't think he's a finished proj- project, and I think as it stands right now, um, he he probably isn't a top five linebacker. I'm still projecting projecting ceiling uh and progression to to 2020 uh to the 2020 season I should say so um so I definitely agree with that um I need to start transitioning into watching some of these Big Ten and Pac-12 players as if this is their final product what we saw on the film in 2019 so I definitely agree with you he's probably not a top five linebacker right now for me but golly I wish I could see this guy play another year like you said one year of tape but it was really, really inspiring. Uh, I, this guy has so much upside; he's so much fun to watch. I mean, you talk about someone that can fill some fill some lanes and get there in a hurry. This is this is Cameron McGrone. I want to see. I wish. I wish we had a season so I could see a little bit more effectiveness in the pass game. I want to see him drop back into coverage and 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 have a little bit more ball production uh, in that in that aspect. But as far as working in front of him, moving downhill, there's not too not many players that are. Uh, more exciting than Cameron McGrone. so I like I said I will agree with you that if this is the finished product we get uh, the 2019 tape, then he probably won't finish in my top five. But I'm still under the mindset of this guy has a, a you know a whole year to to progress. Um, do I think he do I think he declares after only one year of tape and this this odd year of, of COVID 19? Probably not. Like Ryan said, he we, we probably won't see him in the 2021 class. However, still is a draft eligible guy. Uh, that, I, that I think has a lot left in the table as far as what he can become. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Cameron McGrone and what he could be.
1: Alex, don't agree with me, man. Just call me an idiot. <laughs> no, no, no. I, it. I like it, man. I like agree it. Agree to disagree. <laughs> I, will say, I will say, for everybody listening right now, you want to hear how big of a nerd Joe is, right? So, like, I'm on Google Docs, and I highlight and I comment and I say initiate eye roll on Cameron McGrone. You know, I just got an email that says Joe resolved the problem on the Google Docs. I got
0: an email in the first place, and I, I, you can just click off the comment. I clicked it off. I got rid of it. I didn't want to see it. I had to get it off my document, you know. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. We don't want to see
2: the negativity. Right,
0: right. Um, I guess understanding how to use Google Docs in 2020 makes me <laughs> a <nerd. laughs> So you guys both agreed on Jabril Cox, though. Cox being the former North Dakota State linebacker heading to LSU. I'm curious just to hear some uh, a couple thoughts on Cox and why you guys are so high on him, despite him being an FCS prospect-turned-SEC linebacker. Ryan, what, what do you think of Cox?
1: I mean, so he's going to have an opportunity, right? The SEC is, is set to play football. He's going to assume that Patrick Queen role in their defense as a weak side linebacker. I'll, I'll tell you, man, when you turn on the North Dakota State film from last season, right, like Jabril Cox is the best athlete on the field at all times. So there is zero question about that. Now, he hits the, you know, quote unquote boxes, right, when you check him off for athleticism. He's very explosive. He's an athlete. I'm sure he's going to run in the four fives. You'd be very surprised if he did. Six foot three. He has a projectable frame. Is he ready? No, he's not. He is lanky as all hell. He needs a good about 10, 15 pounds to put on that frame. Luckily for him, we talk about project, projectability. He has the frame to put that weight on. So looking at him, I'm saying you're going to be a six foot three, two 240-plus pound athlete who's going to run in the 4.5s. That checks every box that you could possibly look at. He was productive at North Dakota State. He is raw as anything as far as run fits. I want to see him in that weak side linebacker role. As that pursuit player, I want to see him make plays chasing down from the weak side. I think he has a ton of talent and traits and length to do all that type of stuff. In pass coverage, though, right now, he is an NFL caliber player. They ask him to play overhang a lot. They ask him to be flexed out on the the second or third wide receiver a lot. They ask him to play a lot of man-to-man coverage when he was at North Dakota State. He does that exceptionally well. The minute he steps onto the field, he's potentially the best coverage linebacker on any football team in the NFL right this second. So projectability, he can affect the passing game early on, and he has that frame where he can put put, uh, put on weight, and he's going to play a year at LSU. So I think Jabril Cox has all the makings of a top five linebacker cl- in this class, and there's, there's a conversation right now about those top three potentially, right? Like I'm sure we'll get to them later. I don't want to drop my top three here, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if when all said and done, he might surprise some people and be picked ahead of maybe one or two of the top presumed three right now just because I think that the ceiling is so high here. And if he hits everything this year and he really puts on some weight and he is able to ascend, uh, similarly maybe to a Patrick Queen, I think we might be talking about a first-round prospect when everything's said and done.
2: Well, just from what Ryan has said, I haven't talked to talked to Ryan about Jabril Cox at all thus far, and everything that you said is on par with how I think about Jabril Cox. Obviously, a will linebacker at the next level, but even so, he needs he needs to add weight. Uh, this guy's this guy's limbs are about as thick as a wide receiver, a big you know a decent sized wide receiver, uh, but he has the frame to do so. He, he you know he has the athleticism, and, and in an NFL where there's a growing appreciation for for linebackers that can affect the pass game and, and turn the ball over in the pass game, this this guy can do it. Jabril Cox has all the makeup of of being a plus coverage linebacker at the next level. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of linebackers in coverage that are very reactionary and just kind of see what's happening in front of them and react. He's very anticipatory. I mean this guy jumps passing lanes so often and yes, it's at the FCS level on his current tape that we have but I, I don't see any signs of, of that not staying true even playing in the SEC So I'm excited to see another year of Jabril Cox uh, because I think there, there's some more I want to see and I think going into an SEC weight room like LSU you're gonna see that weight get put on and that's really my biggest concern with him is just playing at the, the current the current weight that he's at uh, I think if he adds you know 10 15, Heck, even twenty pounds would be very, very beneficial for him, and I think that he can do that, uh, you know, uh, over the course of this summer, leading up to through the fall at LSU. So I'm very on par with what Ryan, everything Ryan said as far as uh, his pros and cons, and and I'm excited to see what he can be because I I too think he could be a first round guy when it's all said and done after getting another season on tape playing in the SEC.
0: Guys, let's get to the best part of our shows at the very end, getting to guess each other's top three rankings. Alex, as usual, you get to go first in guessing Ryan's top three.
2: Oh yeah. This isn't easy. Just from all the, all the, the talk, uh, that Ryan's put out about, about one of these guys. So number one has got to be Micah Parsons top five guy in this class, but two is going to be Nick Bolton from Missouri. Three is going to be Dylan Moses out of Alabama.
1: Ryan, how about you? What do you I'm got? Too tra- I'm too transparent on Twitter. Um, number one, <laughs> Micah Parsons for, for Alex. I, I'm going to say he's got Dylan Moses at two, and I haven't really talked to him much about Nick Bolton. So is it Nick Bolton, or do you have a surprise here? Um, I- I'll go Bolton at three.
0: You guys did it again. Another yeah. show where you both <laughs> guessed each other right. I thought we were going to go Alex with the win again. Uh, over over Ryan. Ryan, you almost talked yourself out of that one there, but you still, you guys both got each other's top threes correct yet again. We've already talked about Parsons, what to expect from him, how he could fit into the the top end of the, the first round of the draft this year. I'm curious to hear what you guys think of Dylan Moses, who some said if he came out last year he could have been um, a, a – a, early drafted linebacker that didn't end up working out now he's in this 2021 class he made both of your top threes ryan what are your thoughts on on dylan moses and and what you see from him as a prospect
1: i i think a lot of people are a little too high on dylan moses right now to be honest i i I have him at number three just because you know it's very excuse me easy to quantify some things right he's six foot three he's 235 pounds He still has more potential to add weight. Like, the frame is great. He's an explosive athlete. He's another guy who's going to run in the four fives. Like, there's no question about that type of thing. He moves well. The athletic part of everything is so good. Like, it's it's very incredible. There's a lot of things to work with. People went in, though, to 2019 season – with this guy as a potential top five, top ten pick. And, like, man, I, I am racking my brain because I look back on every game from the twenty eight. Well, not every game, but I, I watched at least five games from 2018 with Dylan Moses in as a true sophomore. And I know he was only a true sophomore. So I'm not trying to, like, say, like, you know, oh, this guy is blah, blah, whatever. He still has a lot of upside to hit. But I didn't think the 2018 film was that great. I really didn't. I think that he doesn't trust his eyes very well. I think he's an incredible athlete. I don't think he triggers very quickly. I think he stays very um, very compact. I think that he stays in ve- relatively solid positioning, but I don't think that his athleticism gets unlocked on an on a every-down basis. So I'm struggling big-time with Dylan Moses just because I, I don't know if that's something that you really can – I mean, like, yes, you can get added reps that will make you see things a little quicker. Or usually I like linebackers that are flying to everything and I have to kind of, you know, get them back a little bit, right? You got to kind of slow them down. It's way easier to slow somebody down than to speed him up. I'm not sure that he processes as well, despite people a- acting like he is a linebacker out of the womb. I-, I think that he's a projectable athlete. I don't see anything close to a finished product. And now he's working off an injury too. So we got to see if he how he recovers from that. We have to see him. You know, is he the same type of athlete that he was before the injury? Obviously, you know, he's only 20, 21 years old. So the thought process is, yes, probably. But my thing is like, man, I need this guy to speed up his processing a lot more. I need him to be way more aggressive. I didn't see him do almost anything in pass coverage. So I am struggling so much with Dylan Moses. I'm sure a year of good quality film will change my mind a decent amount. But right now, some people have him in that conversation with Michael Parsons. When I think that it's a clear tier one, and then guys like Bolton and um, and Dylan Moses are in that tier two right now for me.
2: Though I agree with your tier system that you just you just referred to, that I think he he isn't in the same tier as Parsons, and I think he's closer to Nick Bolton. I I have to disagree to uh, to a degree. You know, you said you like people to uh, you know play a hundred hundred miles an hour because you can slow them down. Uh, you know, for, for me, it's, it's a difference in athleticism. You know, I think that, uh, in Moses Moses's tape being the athlete that he is, he can afford to to really think about what's going on and react because he makes up for an athleticism. My problem with Nick Bolton, on the other hand, is I just don't think he's that great of an athlete, so he has to go 100 miles an hour whoa, uh, at whoa, everything. Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, no, whoa, I think no, he's.
2: I think whoa. he's. No, no, no. I think he's super physical. I, I really. I'm, I, and I'm a fan of Nick Bolton. Like I said, he's close. Or uh, uh, Dylan Moses is closer to Nick Bolton than he is uh, Micah Parsons. I'm a fan of him. He's just not on the tier of athleticism of either Parsons or Moses. And and if if you think that he's on the same level athletically, we have to have another conversation. Um, but you know, so so I don't think that I think that's the difference for me is not not mental processing speed. I think it's more so Moses knows that he's athlete enough to where he doesn't have to be wrong. You know, like he doesn't have to be wrong. He doesn't have to guess. Whereas whereas you know, other players in this class, and, and, and you know, I, I referred to, to Nick Bolton. I think that they're just not athlete enough to get away with it. So they have to guess and they have to go 100 miles an hour uh, in order to make those plays. So, uh, so I, I am going to bank on the athleticism difference of, of Dylan Moses to Nick Bolton versus the quote unquote mental processing speed. Of of either of these guys, so that's why I have one. Uh, Dylan Moses is because I'm always going to value the athleticism. Uh, I think you can always teach, you can always get guys in a film room, you can always teach uh, guys to to process what's coming in front of them better and be able to anticipate versus react. As I was saying a minute ago, uh, but you can't teach the athleticism that Dylan Moses has, and I think that that upside carries over. You know, it is carries more weight than what what Nick Bolton does currently so that's why I have him the right rank, ranked the way I do currently
1: well I I, w- I wasn't saying that he's on the same tier as Dylan Moses I I just don't think that and I've heard some people say this I don't think that Nick Bolton is a, a I don't I don't think that he's a like I don't even want to say bad athlete because that's not what you said I don't I don't think that he is prohibitive in any way athletically I think that he has more than enough juice, I guarantee that this kid is a 4'6 athlete. I guarantee it. And now he doesn't have the length. He doesn't have the upside of a Dylan Moses. But, like, the dude processes so quickly, hits like a ton of bricks, actually has production in the pass game. Like, you know, he's a, he's not the lengthiest guy in the world, right? He's right around six foot. Right. So, like, there's not going to be some, uh, you know, upside as far as, like, ability to close passing windows with your length and maybe play a little more man-to-man coverage. But, like, when I was watching Nick Bolton. I was I, I, I love this comp and it's my favorite one that I've done this offseason. I think that he is Danny Trevathan with more physicality. I, I really like that comp so much. I think that there's there's no limit to what he can do just because I think he's a good athlete who sees the game so well. I think that he feels like a tank. That dude is a well put together man because he's only right around six foot, but he's good he's a good two hundred and thirty-five pounds. He's he's Dylan Moses's weight. With three inches, three inches shorter. So that dude is dense as hell. I, I think that there is, a, I still think there's upside to go with Nick Bolton. I don't think he's a finished product. I think some people undersell his athleticism. I'm not saying you are, Alex. I'm just saying right. from a point of like, I think that some people are underselling that Nick Bolton is just this generic finished product. I think that there's still room to grow. And while, again, yes, if Dylan Moses hits that ceiling, I 100% agree that this is no conversation. He is a more, Athletic, he's a more projectable athlete overall than Nick Bolton. But for me, man, like Nick Bolton sees the game so fast. He's moving 100 miles an hour because he sees the game so well. Dylan Moses, I don't think he sees the game that well. And I understand what you're saying about like, you know, sticking to your athleticism and being able to close the gap. I see him lose the opportunity. To chase and pursuit, I see him. I don't think that he has the sideline, the sideline ability that some people act like he is because you don't see him make those types of plays. He is a guy that stays in between the tackles, which is fine. But when you're a four-five athlete with the pedigree that this guy has, and I'm going to draft you potentially in the top twenty, I need to see more than that. So I'm waiting to see on on Dylan Moses. I need to see more. For now, right now, I I would bank on what I see from Dylan Moses because I know what I'm getting 100. percent Dylan yeah. Moses could it be more? Uh, we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I think it can be, but you know, we're banking again on trying to speed somebody up, which that doesn't always happen. So I'm, it's just right. a little bit of a disconnect for me right now.
2: Well, you, you 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 um you you just alluded to kind of you know my point. Uh, I do agree that that uh, he's going to have to speed up his processing. That the game's only going to get faster at the next level. The athletes and in, in even in the SEC, which is talked about as the best conference, you know, producing talent, so, you know, the best athletes. Uh, I think it's just going to get faster. So he, he's there is a part of me that knows that he's going to have to be able to to anticipate better than what he currently does. And I think that I, I do agree that Nick Bolton does see the game better than Dylan Moses right now. Uh, however, like I said, I'm just going to right now, knowing that I get another year of both of these guys, both of them playing in the sec, I get another year of both of these guys. I, I'm going to, to bank on the projection of growth in that, in that department and that mental processing department, uh, for Dylan Moses over the growth and athleticism that I get with Nick Bolton. I do agree. Nick Bolton's not a finished product. Like some people act like he is. Uh, and that's why I think that. Though Dylan Moses is the superior athlete, I think they're in the same tier. Like I like I agreed with you uh, a minute ago, but but with another year of tape, I'm going to to project him to be better in that regard. That that is his biggest deficiency at this current moment, um, and I, and I think we're going to be talking about someone that's drafted in the top 15. When it's all said and done, he he'll probably be in that 10 to 20 range. For me right now, I don't see him as a top 10 guy like others do. And that's why that's why I have him and Bolton in the same tier versus him being in the same tier with uh, Micah Parsons like other people do. Um, but but I, that's the great thing about them both playing in the SEC is we're going to see another year of these guys most likely, uh, barring any last-minute changes. So uh, I'm excited to see both of these guys on the tape because I'm a big fan of both personally.
1: My favorite part about watching film – doing grades, doing these types of shows is there's always going to be different perspectives, different outlooks on players. I I applaud Alex, man. That is, I, I really enjoyed just some of the talking points there. This is what I love about this process, man. People see stuff so differently. Linebackers this year is an extraordinary class. Um, yes, it so is. So I appreciate the conversation. I feel like we could do linebackers again next week, Joe. Can we do that?
0: <laughs> uh, if you want to find a way to fit that into our schedule before the season starts, Sure.
2: <laughs> but it's a great group I do agree it's a great group uh I had trouble you know you talk about these top three guys who I think are, are above the rest um and I think I, I know I know Ryan agrees with that but going probably four through ten I mean you could have them in just about any order and I I could understand why you have them a certain way so ranking four and five for me today was was really really tough and I'm sure it was for Ryan too talking about how good this class is so Uh, I feel like we're going position by position and talking about how great each and every group is. So I'm excited for the 2021 class. I wish we were to see more college football in 2020 just to get more tape on these guys. But, But it's just an exciting potential group we have here.
0: Well, that is it for this linebacker episode edition of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon. You can follow Alex at AlexSkillsDraft. You can follow Ryan at Rise and Draft. You can also go follow our account. It's uh, NFL Prospects Pod on Twitter. Go Also go follow Believe Podcasts at BLEAV. Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. And also head to their website, Believe.com, to find our show as well as hundreds of other amazing shows.